You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. WA. This is the World Football Programme. My name's Sean Kelly and I'll be with you for the next two hours. Thanks to Frank and Jerry for a wonderful Celtic ramblings. Um, nice to hear Nina Simone and You'll Never Walk Alone and the great Leonard Cohen. Um, they just don't write lyrics like that anymore. Um, a Thousand Kisses Deep. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, Today in the studio I was going to be with Lou Prospero of the Hall of Fame, but um, unfortunately Lou's had a family um, health issue which he's looking after and best to you and your, your, your dear ones, Lou, and all the best, mate. I hope everything goes all right. Um, so we had to go in, into the bench and when only the best will do. Hugh Best. Good morning, Hugh. Morning, Sean. Morning, listeners. Thanks for the call up. No, it's good, mate. Always good to, to get you on the show and, you know, you said... You're always willing and able and you're good for your word, mate, which is always a good thing with me. All right, on today's show, we're going to open up with the Minister for Sport, Mick Murray, um, obviously the home of football, large and looming in the in the horizon. Um, we'll talk to Mick about that decision and a couple of things that he said during the, the presentation. Um, very interesting times ahead for us and the, the home of football, whether you agree with it or not. Um, we've all got to get behind it. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. At long last. Um, then we're going to talk to, for me, who is the, the voice of Australian football, Simon Hill. Um, you know, his his voice has been the backdrop to uh, the, the last, well, 20 years of football, in my opinion. And I think, you know, he's a terrific ambassador for the sport. And we'll talk to him about um, the A-League, the W-League, the Women's World Cup, and the numerous other things on the way. He's a wealth of information. 
Um, then we've got Ken Shorto, who is with Balga, and we'll be talking to Ken about their free football program, um, what effects COVID, if any, has had on it. Um, lots of people around the place have had um, difficulties with their sponsors going out of business, and particularly at grassroots level, where um, a lot of the people are sole traders in um, service industries that just haven't been able to function. So uh, we'll talk to Ken and see if that's made any difference to him. Knowing Ken, it probably hasn't, but, you know, um, COVID's made a difference to all of us along the way and I think you know we'll, we'll touch on some of those things when we're talking to him and then we'll follow up with Hugh and we'll find out what Hugh's been up to through the, the COVID crisis and uh, we'll talk about Sabutio and all those other things that you do. Yeah I'm looking forward to that yeah like everyone else in the in the world um, this is unprecedented for everybody and, and everything they do. Absolutely. I look at new times for all of us. We're all learning how to do this. Um, the thing is, it's made a massive, massive difference across the, the world. Um, I saw a, a tweet today about the social distancing in Britain, how people c- still can't go out and see their families and, um, you know, the footballers are out there kicking lumps out of each other and the, the people just don't see how that works. But, well, you know, again, the you EPL's know, back. You, you can't shake a hand, but you can give him a big hug when he scores. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> elbow bumps, maybe. You know? um, in news, the obviously the EPL started. There was. Um, well, wasn't that a shocker? <laughs> I mean, uh, most uh, people um, out there know me as a as a Baggies fan, and that Villa get performance. I mean, if you don't want to get relegated, don't get promoted. That's all I can say. Yes, I know, but you know, nil nil was the th- enthralling nil nil oh, draw. Oh, enthralling. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the other game was uh, an interesting one with Man City um, trouncing Arsenal three yeah. nil. Um, Who Dave- could have seen that? Oh, yeah, most yeah. Arsenal fans, I think. <laughs> da- David Luiz has uh, been sent off and suspended again. Uh, Arsenal are appealing it. They're they're going. As you would. Well, no, they're, they're hoping they can get it extended. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure whether you were going to go for that punchline, but well done you. Oh, no, you know me. I'll always go, there's a punchline to be had, we'll, we'll take it. Um, in the local scene, um, football starts this weekend uh, around the state. So junior football and amateur sports all kick off tomorrow. We'll be talking to Ken about that later. But um, in some cases, and I'm just watching what's going on around the place. Um, are the leagues ready? Are teams committed? You know, the, the COVID has, has left us in a big hole and a lot of people have nominated sides that haven't eventuated, particularly in the juniors. Yes. Um, there's been some problems. Uh, I know someone who was trying to get an eight-year-old in the um, Armadale Piara Waters area signed up for a team and no one's got anything. Wow. So the, the best he could do was, was an under nines and they needed a coach, so he's now the coach. <laughs> yes, I've been there and uh, Ken will uh, attest to that one. That was uh, when it was um, Ruball, yeah. mm. uh, young lad uh, Alexander. He was uh, keen to play. We went down to Balga and, uh, oh, you know a bit about football. Uh, you're the coach. Gee, thanks, Ken. Appreciate that. <laughs> did, did you point out you know nothing about football? You're a referee. Well, you know, the, I didn't want to give, give too many secrets away, but <laughs> <laughs> the season panned out that maybe I didn't know too much about football. <laughs> oh, no, look, some, some of the best footballers have been some of the worst coaches. Bobby Moore, who, you know, oh, was yeah. an absolute um, idol, best best captain West Ham ever had, um, the only English captain to live the world the World Cup, and when he was at Southend United, he was a woeful manager, but there you go. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like you say, well, Diego Maradona, I mean, he still gets a job, but would you call him a, a good manager? You, 
you know, you manage your national side, you've got some talent, but... Um... Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to have some talent to play at that level, but to coach that level, and some people just don't have it. Um, and, you know, I sort of think about Harry Kill the other day, apparently he's not good enough to coach in the A-League. I don't know about that. Well, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very strange thought process, I think. Oh, look, there's other people who get to go. I think Brebner's got to go. Yep. Um, and he has half the experience that, that Harry's had. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what happens yep. there. Um, talking of glory, uh, there was a bit of mischievous reporting during the week about their financial position based on um, them getting an advance on money from the FFA to pay players. Um, the reason that was paid was because they had obviously – um, some costs with COVID and, you know, it's, it's unfair for the club to carry that. That's true. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not the lone rangers in that around the world to uh, to put their, their well, I won't say bottom line, but um, these, as I said earlier, these are unusual times uh, which require unusual measures. If that's oh, one of them, then that's that's what needs to be done. I mean, yeah. you're sure if if they were asking for anything out of the ordinary or, or out of um, the – the requirements or, or regulations, the answer would have been no. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think Tony's carried the load for a long time. Um, I just think there's, there's some people out there quite happy to to bag Tony, the club, and, and WA in particular right now, um, particularly you see what's going on in Victoria with COVID. Yep. Um, we're sitting high and dry, and that's largely because of what Mark McGowan's exactly done. Exactly right. And, yep, yep. Yeah. And, and you know, if we think all the way back to when it first started, there was a, uh, a major code in New South Wales when they – announced that they were suspending their league uh, in the same sentence said, oh, can we have some money from the government? Mm. Well, I thought that was a bit inappropriate. So, again, what uh, what Tony has done is is laudable for, for the rest of the league to, to yeah. take notice of and, yeah, he, he, he's only got so much. Oh, absolutely. And I think you know, everybody's struggling. Um, doesn't matter who you are. There's, there's people I know um, either they're considering – whether or not to register kids this yep. year, they re- register themselves, and particularly if in the women's leagues and the women's football, um, you know, part of their expenditure, they're really seriously thinking, can I afford to play football? Sure, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's not great. No, no, and and uh, you know, th- th- then you've got the um, you know, the fees issues that that are there. You know, if the the fee is for a full season. Well, are you getting the full season? Uh, yeah, and as you say, is, is it is it a safe environment? Can yeah, we, can look, we, can and we, I think honestly, is that a lot of people see it very simply in economic terms. Yeah. Is you know, I'm only getting 16 games, not 22. The the problem is from from a club perspective, from a governing body perspective. Yeah, whether it's a 16 game season, a 10 game season, or the 22 game season. It's the same cost. That's right. I think so. Yeah. Yes, uh, and and that's what people have got to understand. It it costs X amount to put someone on the grass. Although we, um, if I put my uh, dusty old referees hat on, there's been uh, some some cost reductions that have already been, oh, we'll, uh, been announced. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that yeah. one later. Yep. But um, um, you know, and look, if, and, if you and some... have reductions, then is that meant to be across the board, or is one aspect? fully funded and fully uh, costed and another aspect of the game, prices are reduced and costs are reduced. It, it's a it's a 
can of worms, really. Absolutely. And then when you look at, you know, there's, there's people across the globe who've lost their jobs, oh, lost exactly. their businesses. Um, you know, our own Football West have had a, a drastic reduction in their staffing levels. Um, and some high high profile. Oh, and again, we'll talk about that yeah. later. But, yeah, there, there's a lot going on out there and people are really hurting. I know, and I've, I've had personal experience of it, we've got players and coaches who've gone, well, what's all the fuss? We could have played all the way through this, you That's know. right. And they're just not seeing that, you know, we've been very fortunate here. We've The deaths that we've had in this state have been from uh, people off the cruise ships and overseas. Yes. Um, we have not lost anyone from a community spread. Um, and other states and other countries definitely have. Yeah. And we've been insulated from it. And I think that insulation uh, has made people a bit blasé about what's oh, going on sure. out there, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, you only act upon what you can see and, and we see yeah. a, a better picture than, than most of the world, unfortunately. Well, but, fortunately, but, I was going to say, yes. But uh, a lot of um, people have um, have had the, those issues and a lot of people have gone, oh, well, why couldn't I have played? The reason you couldn't have played and trained is if you had, you would have been arrested. Yes, by the That's police, right. yep. and it's, it was a really serious thing. So anyway, that was that. So um, we're going to go to a break now, and we'll be back after this with um, the Minister for Sport, Mick Murray. Oh, give me land, lots of land, under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We are the first sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia, recognising the Western Australia football community. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. And uh, just looking out the window there, it's a wonderful day. The only place I could think where it'd be any better would would be in Collie, where I've heard that the the frost has just lifted and it's magnificent <laughs> down that way. And that is the home for the Minister of Sport, Mick Murray, who joins us now. Good morning, Mick. How are you? Good morning to everyone. Um, fantastic news during the week. Um, been a long time in the making. Um, I believe the Liberals promised it some time ago and didn't deliver. Um, but, you know, in true Mick McGow- Mark McGowan style and, and Mick Murray, um, you've announced the home of football. Look, uh, yeah, it was uh, a special moment. Um, 
you know, especially as a minister, to be able to be part of something that's uh, taking the sport into the future. So, yeah, very, very pleased with the uh, result of that one. And the presentation itself was quite good, and, I, and some things um, impressed a lot of people. Um, your boss has got some peg on him. He's, he's obviously a dedicated <laughs> penalty taker, because not only did he strike the ball well, he top-binned it. <laughs> yeah, um, I did have a crack at him afterwards, because uh, I reckon he might have paid the goalie a few dollars, you know, to just lay back a bit. But uh, I was a bit surprised, actually. He put one in the, the left-hand top and one in the right-hand top, so... Yeah, I thought, oh, geez, there's another skill he might uh, might have in his pocket. Absolutely, yeah. I think I may have put the goalkeeper in a blue top on, on purpose as well. So, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, I thought it, it, the whole thing, the presentation was great. Um, everybody uh, spoke well. And, um, you know, the, the buzz around football is great. We, we have been waiting for this so long. And, you know, there, there are people who don't agree with the the whole the, the home of football and there's people that do, but we're all getting behind it. And I think, you know, um, from a, a perspective, it, it is a really good thing for us to have. I was interested, though, in part of your statement where you said uh, this funding and announcement is not for the executive. It is for the grassroots. I just couldn't help thinking there was a bit more behind that than than just... Uh, sir, yeah, certainly. Yeah. I think um, most people that uh, know me that... I'm a passionate believer, and if you you know you get the bottom right, the top will, with some assistance, but will look after itself. Uh, you know, so you, you know you just can't go there and say, okay, now we're going to have a, a team of champions out there training away. No, it has to be part of a plan to be able to bring those kids through that to have the skills, and sometimes uh, might have the. Uh, the financial backing or the, the the parental backing to be able to come through. So I, I really, really think that, you know, once you lose that connection, uh, you're in trouble. And I will make a quick comment about it was great this week to see Little Athletics and Athletics Australia uh, join together. And, again, that gives a pathway through, and that's what I'd like to see with the Around World Football. Absolutely, and then football's been doing that for years. And I think, you know, the, the home of football not just gives us the opportunity to train the kids, but it also is a centre where we can now train um, referees, where we can train coaches, where we can train club administrators because, you know, all of us are just dedicated um, amateurs who are, are providing our time to the sport. And I think, you know, when you look at the centres of excellence in the UK and other parts of Europe, that's exactly what they do. Yeah, and a very good point, um, you know. So it's, uh, if you don't have the quality on the sidelines, uh, it makes it, uh, and frustration in the middle, uh, which then causes its own problems. But, you know, it is very important to bring the whole of, of the sport along together. Uh, and, you know, when we look at the, the figures that were put out there, it looks like the plan is really good. But also must make mention the mayor. I was very pleased with his uh, speech yep. where he's very keen to have a sporting centre and you know look after the people within the community. I thought, uh, to be quite honest, a lot of uh, local governments are not always happy when we say we're going to do that and they're not totally on side. That was one of the better um, speeches from the mayor that accepted your sport and was willing to help. Absolutely, and I think that's a very important part. It's a partnership, not just between um, 
the state government and Football West, but it's also the, the local government, the local community and, and the local football uh, community in that area as well who will benefit from this facility. That, that's right, you know, it's, and it's great to think that they've got a, a plan for the whole precinct to be developed, which then makes it sometimes a bit easier for mums and dads to be bringing their kids into, you know, not only one sport but two instead of having to run all over the place. So that's always a bonus to keep kids in sport. Yes, and definitely in these times as well, we were just talking before you came on air about the the impact that COVID has had on businesses and families. And I think, you know, the $16 million that you've invested in this is going to go a long way to providing jobs for families and the centre for the, the kids. But there are still people out there struggling for a quid who probably aren't able to register a child or even themselves this year. Exactly right. And uh, I'll use a bit of a chat promo here. The, the um, kids sport programme where there's $150 for those people that are struggling has been brought forward. Uh, I do know that uh, in the soccer fraternity is well used. Uh, so just for the parents uh, that have signed up for, for this coming year, they also can uh, do it again, which will give them another uh, boost along there, as well as the money going to the clubs themselves. So, you know, there's something that uh, you know parents should be chasing up. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, you look at the funding that has been made available. I think when I, I went through the, the grant applications, there there really wasn't much in there for a, a grassroots club um, at that time. And, uh, you know, Lottery West have provided some great funding for sports and for the arts, but really didn't meet the needs of a, a grassroots clubs. Some who've lost um, sponsors, some who've lost administrators, and, and some that have lost complete teams. Um, and I... I don't know what, what sort of help they need, to be honest, but, um, you know, we, we are all struggling at, at that level. And not, not just us. I also fear for the summer sports coming in because cricket, tennis, um, baseball, all of those are going to walk into a post-COVID environment. Unfortunately, football's had to, to live through most of it, but the summer sports are going to come into it cold. So that's exactly right. That's why we brought the kids' sport program forward because we do understand that, and that means that money turns over and goes into some of the clubs that will really, really struggle. But having said that, you know, the um, uh, I think it's the greatest time you might have seen me having a few arguments with a few other, um, what will I say, sporting areas. Yep. But it's about it's a great time now to uh, reassess, you know, because it, it is not business as usual. It's a, a time where you can sit down and say, what can we do better? You know, as from from a um, departmental side down through the club side, the whole lot about yeah. how do we manage and how we do better. Uh, you know, it's a great time to to reset, in my view. Oh, absolutely, and I think you know, it's a time where we look at it's not just about what we can do better; it's about what we can do right and responsibly. Um, big article in paper that um, you're mentioned in, where a sporting body has. Um, a large amount of money given to it from the, the government coffers and, and most of it goes in paying um, executive wages. Um, you know, is that is that something that's just and, and um, able to be accounted for? I mean, I don't mind paying people big money if they're, if they're getting big results. Oh, that, that's right. I mean, you know, it's not the wages uh, per se to the individual. 
It's about how you use your money for the sport. Mm. Um, you know, if you've got someone that's doing a great job and uh, the sport is absolutely jumping forward and, uh, you know, numbers are going up, uh, which is happening in the round ball sport, um, you know, then, then that's fine. But when, you know, um, sometimes if we look at cricket, Australia itself uh, struggled. Um, yep. Then you have the AFL itself having to borrow $600 million to survive. You go, okay, where's that? actual rainy day uh, package yep. and uh, you know uh, is all the money uh, pre-spent on assuming that the money's going to come in I think if people have been caught out with that yeah and then I think your your whole point in, in the article was that um, they're investigating where the leak came from not the fact that it's actually happening which I think you know is a very valid point yeah that's right you know again that's money that uh, little Johnny's going to have to pay on the bottom end. Yeah. You know, if, if that's taken out of the top end, it's got to be filled somewhere. Yeah. Or, you know, so that impact comes back down the line. And, and that's what I'm saying about the the uh, football centre, you know, get the structures right from top to bottom, include the officials, include, the, you know, everything that is um, about the sport yep. to make it work properly. Oh, definitely. I think when you look at it, the the centre itself is is actually built up to to accommodate um, an A League side, and you know, uh, if they become a tenant of that facility, is there then a, a visible flow down to the grassroots rather than maybe a corporate box at the the games? You know, um, as part of their deal for for using that facility. That's right, and you know. There's one of the things I always say that the earlier you get one of those little kids into a particular jumper or for a particular team, the quicker they become rusted on. You know that, uh, and once you get them, you know, in there, they might be the best footballer, but they might end up being the best coach or the best uh, club administrator. So mm. because of their love for the actual particular club. Absolutely. I just got a, a message from a, a listener here who said, all of my four kids are playing football tomorrow thanks to um, hang on a thanks to kids sports. We wouldn't be able to put them all through and would have made a, a decision on who did. Thank you very much for coming up with that. So that's, oh, well, that's, that's uh, made my day. Anyway, that's <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what it's about. And you imagine those four kids who have been sitting at home probably – on a, you know a computer or or probably in the backyard, and now they're out there mixing with mates, making friends, and again in time could be one of those administrators. Absolutely, and that's what I think about. You know the 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 money that comes into sports, and you know I know that the government does support a lot of sports. Um, the sixteen million that uh, soccer has received this year to to build that facility is probably the largest investment we've we've ever had in our, our game and, and we're eternally grateful for it but i'd like to see that we were evening out the balance and and the bulk of that money wasn't going to one or two codes and it was spread out along alongside um ten pin bowling tennis um croquet lacrosse you know i'm not worried about what sport it is i think this country's always been about a fair go for everybody, and I, I would like to see an evening out of those those uh, allocations. Look, uh, yeah, and it is difficult. And so you sit down, and you know, while it sounds a huge amount of money, once you start to spread it out, it uh, becomes thin very quickly. Oh, yeah. And people say, you know, uh, sometimes disappointed in the amount that's being put out. But we've tried to be fair. We've tried to make sure that... Um, 
everyone uh, you know gets a, a bit of a taste of of the funding that's around, uh, and in particular trying to keep that, those clubs alive, because once they drop off, so difficult to get those structures back in to be able to go forward again. Oh, look, when we spoke before, you know the. The, the clubs, and whether you're in a metro club and probably even more so in the country, the clubs are community hubs. This is where people connect socially, where things happen outside of the sport. It's not just about the game itself. The game itself is an incidental. Um, it's about the support you get from your community, the support that you get when, when you're down, those people pick you up. When you're unemployed, you have people in those clubs that have jobs that other people can have. It's just, you know... It is the, 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 a small cog in a big machine, but it's a very important cog. Oh, it, it certainly becomes a home to some of the uh, players as well because, you know, we never know whose background and what's happening at home. And sometimes they get their best advices from a club environment. You know, I've, I've said it many times that they learn to abide by referees' decisions. They learn to, you know, be disciplined in their own lives. Uh, all that uh, comes back down. But, um, you know, the... The actual centre itself, you know, that that's what I believe, you know, that's where you need that support to be able to help those clubs provide down the line. So, you know, as much as the top end, but also as the bottom. Yes, definitely. No, look, I think um, it's been brilliant. Um, I love what you've done. I love what, what Mark's been doing so far. And I think, you know, when you look at what's happening over in Victoria, um, he's been proven right yet again. Um, and, you know, he just keeps on kicking goals. Yeah, well, he kicked a few out there on on the park the other day, and he's in the political arena. He's kicked a few, so I'm pro- yep. pretty sure he'd be pretty happy with himself at the moment too. Yeah, I think there's a couple of Masters teams that may be approaching him to, for a game. <laughs> um, you know, you don't you don't get a kick like that. It's, it just happens naturally. He's he's played before, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, um, Mick- I must make must just before I yep. leave, I must make mention of the young ladies that come out with in their uniforms. Uh, there to welcome the Premier and that, and to see the the excitement and the bubble uh, around those people as well, you know, those kids that were, you know, on the cusp of becoming, you know, superstars. Yep. Uh, they were there. I just, that, that's something that pleases me too, to see that, the energy and, the, you know, they were, Absolutely, by the whole thing. So you know, it was really yeah. great. So, and and yeah, one of the, the one of the best footballers in the world. And I won't use the word woman before it. One of the best footballers in the world is a West Australian, Sam Kerr. She is a very very um, available role model for young women here. Um, the her transition from um, little girl at school to international football star was made in Western Australia and we should be very proud of her. But for all of those young girls that turned out there, she is a tangible and realistic model and that shows you what is possible when you, you get the sort of funding we have behind us now. Yeah, exactly that. So, you know, again, you know, I've met Sam on, on uh, several occasions and what a down... Uh, grounded young lady she is you know there's no uh, pretenses there it's about football yep love my football i love my family and uh west australia has been good to me and always promotes that so that's really good as well absolutely mick murray minister of sport thank you very much for your time it's been very very valuable thank you okay thank you very much Thanks thank for you having us on. bye 
McMurray, Minister for Sport, and his boss has got some peg on him. He's got a yeah. <laughs> bring him on as a super sub when you go to shootouts. Uh, can we just make a sub ref? We've got the minister. I actually, the- I've actually done that in a, in a <laughs> Masters game. I we had a penalty. Um, club president was running a line, uh, well, no, rather walking the line yeah. because that's how Bill does things. Um, and I, I took the centre forward off. I put Bill on. He's gone in there, walked up, just stroked the penalty back in, in the top corner as he does. And I'm like, off you come, Bill. Back on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, memories. I love the game. <laughs> That's good work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, look, I thought it was interesting. Um, there's obviously a story running in the paper this morning about the West Australian Football Commission. Yep. Um, you know, they've got about $9 million in wages and they relieved ele- or received $11.2 million from the government. And, you know, the focus of their investigation is who leaked the, the wage packets, not that we're paying that. And I think that's part of what Mick's Oh, exactly saying. right. Yeah. I mean, and the point you made, you don't mind paying the wage packet if you're getting the results that that wage packet necessarily deserves. So, you know, it's it's not so much who leaked it, yeah. but what results are we getting from or are we getting value for money from that uh, from that amount? Yeah, another one of my favourite sayings is if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Oh, exactly right. If you pay cashews, you get greedy monkeys. Well, so what are you saying, mate? Is that why I'm here today? <laughs> Well, I'll I'll those, pa- uh, cashews, I'm not, not, I'm, not, I'm not paying you anything. Yeah. <laughs> have, have another banana. <laughs> you know, what I did uh, uh, enjoy about the the whole, uh, you know, the, the Centre of Excellence, and the one that intrigued me the most, and I didn't want to ask the Minister about that, was the um, the provision for the future A-League side. Now, is that is that going to be based at the at the Centre? I mean, well, the thing is, we've got only the provision to, to expand it to 4,000. We have a current. A league side. That's right, we do. Who currently doesn't really have a proper home where they can this is, consolidate this is correct, yes. all of their oh, operations. I've seen them train down at McGillivray um, and, and that's if they didn't have to share their, their MPL fixtures with another team. Yep. Um I I think, you know, look, I'm I'm not pushing anybody in any direction, but no, I no. think, you know, that would be a marriage made in heaven for them. Yes. What I what I don't want to see is that they get that facility at peppercorn rates. I mean, it's got to be at the, at the, the proper oh, rate. The going rate. At the going rate. Sure. If you're going to use Market if you're going value. to use it seven days a week, which they will do yes. and, and should do. Yes. And you're going to use it for all your training and, and your administrative hub and all those sorts of things, then there needs to be a proper a proper agreement and it's not just on the basis of, well, there's a corporate box and, and you know, a thousand free tickets to a game because, to be honest, yeah. it doesn't benefit grassroots. No. no now, if, if we use that centre to generate income that is then fed down the chain and this is, again, we don't want to be paying um, everybody that's, you know, working there, the lady answering the phones is on a $200,000 pay, pay packet. It needs yep. to be run as a business. Yep. And again, and another one of the points they made was that, um, yeah, it, it would have the capacity for, um, you know, occasional special events. So that that also sort of piqued my interest. Like, what, what would these occasional special events be? Would it, would it be concerts? And then you run the risk of the um, the, the pitches having that that impact. I mean, we've seen um, international games, particularly the one at the, the Adelaide Oval a few years ago, where they had the and I won't mention the the band, but they had a concert. Just days before an Australian international, and the pitch looked like a cow patch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's the the problem. The, I think the special occasions will be things like the um, 
Cup finals. Well, and again, that that's uh, yeah. I've, I've let you do the uh, the interviewing. You you more uh, uh, excelled in that one than, than I do. But um, I thought the you know the, the seven hundred seating spectators. I was interested to know what the standing um, room would be because you and I have both been to those cup finals, and there's been more than triple maybe quadruple that amount of people that, that, that rock up just to see the, those finals. You've got those three um, age groups coming in. You're going to get more than 700 people who want to have a seat. Yeah. Oh, look, and I think that the the 4,000 would be an ideal thing. I've been talking about a 2,000, 4,000 boutique yeah, sta- yeah, no, stadium being the standard for MPL. So sure. I think, you know, that's where that would sit. I think for the cup finals, you definitely need to be at 4,000, yep. particularly for the MPL cup final. Easy. Um, and then you've got all the things. If this venue is going to be at the standard they're talking about, then we're going to have um, the ability to um, bring in – Chelsea or Arsenal or someone like oh, that, and they would train there. And then, obviously, you could then charge for people to come in and watch them training or to run coach clinics. So I think that's the sort of thing that we're looking at. And yeah. I and I think that you know, it was good that Minister. Murray I have and- I have mixed feelings about it though, Hugh, because those cup finals and those uh, events have been shared around the grassroots clubs who've made money from from that's right. that. And if it all goes, and again, I don't have a problem going to to uh, Football West, provided the money tears back down to yes. grassroots. Yeah, and, and that's a good point you make there, Sean, that um, some of those clubs uh, have have had that, that windfall that, that you know, and I won't say in, in, in all cases, but in a few cases has been the difference between a profitable season financially yep. and, and one that, that, that could put the club in uh, in peril. Absolutely. We'll, we'll keep talking about that later. Right we now can. we're going to go to the messages and I'll be back with Simon Hill. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware, WA. Station sponsor. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. 
And that was young Miranda with a message for us all about COVID. And yep. I know that we're now in stage three and seem to be climbing out of the, the, the pit. But, um, you know, doesn't mean we stop thinking about it. And we've got to be very much aware that uh, a second wave is only one, one patient zero away. Exactly right. I mean, we've seen uh, the news today about uh, South Korea. So, I mean, that, yep. that, that's... That's just how it is. You know, we need to be diligent and uh, wash those hands. Absolutely do. Now, joining us now is, is someone I refer to as the voice of football, uh, Mr. Simon Hill. Simon, good morning. How are you? Morning, guys. Very well. How are you? Good. How have you been coping through the, the COVID crisis, apart from growing a beard? <laughs> Which looks good, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that, that's the main thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, it's been a tough period for everybody, I think, hasn't it? Um, and, you know, particularly those of us who... Uh, work in football or sport because uh, that's been you know one of the hardest hit industries. So yep. there's been an awful lot of waiting around. And I, I've done you know bits. Uh, you might be aware I called a game from South Korea a few weeks ago. I called a game in the Northern Territory, uh, both from my front room by the new technology. Yep. Um, so there, there are sort of bits I've been doing, but uh, yeah, we want to get back to to covering what we love, and that's uh, the A League and football. How did you find that though? Calling a guy a game that remote, you're away from it. There's no fans, so there's there's no emotional input from from the people around you. It must be a a very very different feel when you're calling the game. Yeah, it was uh, certainly doing it from your own living room is is an odd experience. <laughs> yeah. um, not actually being at football stadium. I mean, you know, we we do games remotely, uh, of course. From you know, we did the Champions League or sometimes the away internationals when we can't get there. But, uh, yeah, it was different. Um, I'd had some experience of, of calling uh, games without a crowd, uh, even in the A-League, you know, because I think the last game I did was the Sydney Derby, which was behind closed doors because, you know, COVID had just struck. So yeah. it wasn't entirely new. But, um, yeah, it, it was, uh, to be honest, I was just, you know, glad to get back calling football again. That's, that's what I do for a living. So, um, all the other stuff becomes peripheral once the referee's whistle goes and, uh, you know, the game starts. You just focus on the game. Uh, I suppose to myself, one of the, the, the benefits of this COVID um, crisis has been the ability to go back through and reminisce over um, other games. And, and one of the things I, I had put up to the studio to, to try and get put in was um, three very special goals that you called in Kaiserslautern 14 years ago. Yeah. Um, and just, just listening to that commentary, that the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, all the emotion came back. Even talking about it now, I can feel the goosebumps coming up. Um, you know, there, there are moments in football that just stay with you. And, and that was, there's one that will just stay with me forever. And it's, it, the backdrop to that is your commentary. Well, thank you. And uh, look, it, it's obviously a day that will uh, stay with me forever as well. Uh, and you're right, it, it has been nice during this period where there's been no actual live football to uh, to look back on some of those games. I know the FFA have done a good job in, in putting a lot of those games on their social media channels and other, other networks have as well. Uh, and there's been a lot of interest and, you know, maybe it's sort of rekindled our love of football a little bit, uh, watching those you know, very emotional and, and happy occasions. Uh, seems a long time ago now, 14 years, wow. But, uh, yeah, it, it's one of the games that will stick with me for the rest of my days. Um, a, a very, very special moment. I was uh, very privileged to you know, be able to play a, a small part in that by uh, commentating on the telly for everyone back here. 
Yeah, no, I think uh, it's, it's more than just a small part, yeah. you know. I think they, it's, it's the backdrop and the, and the, the back tune to everything we've, we've done since. Um, now, the, the other thing with COVID is just how quickly everything changes. You know, we went from having football to having no football at the drop of a hat. We've, um, we've now got the A-League coming back in a hub. The MPL's coming back. Um, the Foxtel TV deal was on again, off again, and, and very thankfully last night it was signed um, – and we've got some some clarity around it, and it's a very different deal. What for you? Obviously, that's um, a really important thing because I think you know that connection with with Foxtel and the A League has been the growth of the game. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, without uh, Fox's financial supports, there probably wouldn't have been an A League or a W League or things that we've enjoyed in the interim period. So. You know, they've been a very strong partner of the game uh, since the A-League was formed back in 2005. And, you know, things are difficult at the moment. We know that across uh, all the sporting codes. Everybody's had to take a a haircut in terms of the rights deals because, uh, you know, things have changed. The the media landscape is is changing. People don't consume uh, their media in the same way that they did even five years ago. So, you know, television networks have to adapt. Uh, so do sports. But I, I think that the deal that was signed late last night between the FFA uh, and Fox Sports is, by and large, a good one for the game. It's probably the best deal that uh, the game could have got in the current circumstances. It gives us 18 months, uh, some breathing space, uh, to try and, you know, formulate a, a strategy to go forward. And, and really, that's what we've been missing for for way too long. We only really had the, the whole of football plan that was put out in 2015, which was uh, well-intentioned, I think, but was rather woolly in terms of its detail. We really need to uh, to formulate a proper unified plan that everybody buys into, uh, unite the whole football community. I know these are motherhood statements because they've been said for so many years, but really it is so imperative now that we do that because... Uh, you know, the deal has been cut both financially and in terms of its duration. So we've got essentially 18 months to, you know, to get together. You know the word I wanted to use there. I'm not going to use it on the <laughs> radio. No, no. Uh, and, and come up with, with a proper plan and, and get this game moving forward. You know, the time is now. We may get another opportunity. We've been given a lifeline, really, if because yeah. we all know how close the TV deal was to not coming off. Mm. So the game has to make the most of this opportunity. Otherwise, we might not get another one. Absolutely. And I think when you look at it, we're, we're um, poised now with some very important things. And, and if, for example, the, the decision next week on the Women's World Cup final, if we're fortunate enough to pick that up, then, again, that's another a real bonus to... That would help. Absolutely. Yep. And, and I think, you know, getting it is one part. The, the Matilda's doing well in that competition and not necessarily winning it, but doing well in that competition is imperative to the success of the code. Well, it, it, true. Uh, but I think it's, it's also about the build up. You know, we'll have three years of build up with yep. all this world, you know, massive world tournament coming wash shores. So there'll be a lot of interest driven on the back of that. There will be investment in infrastructure interest in the game, not just the women's game, but the men's game as well on the back of it. 
Um, and it will give us a sense of purpose. You know, we've we also got some big milestones coming up. You know, in 2022, we've got the centenary of the first ever international, um, yep. men's international, between Australia and New Zealand. Yep. Um, so, you know, it, it's time that we uh, linked in with uh, our heritage and our history, but also set a clear plan for the way forward. And I personally, I think that means including the whole football community. The, the A-League has been too disconnected from the rest of the competition. There's talk of a move to winter. Yep. I personally, I, you know, I, I think that's a, a pretty good move. Um, maybe we can get a national second division set up and really, you know, get in place some structures that will help us uh, uh, increase interest. Because at the moment, you know, we're, we've plateaued for the last two or three years, we've been too busy, as ever, fighting amongst ourselves to see the trees. Absolutely. Well, we, we've, we've got a chance here, but it's, let's be brutally honest about this. It's a, it's a last chance. Yep. It needs, you know, that, that should focus on minds. I hope. And and you said earlier about it being a reset. There's there's lots of things that are need improving in the game, and and one of those has been, I in my opinion, the transfer market. Everywhere else in the world, um, clubs that develop young players are rewarded for that by the transfer fee system, and that money then drives the game. And you know. Uh, you get a, a club like the Newcastle Jets who who do produce a lot of good youth, as the Glory do, um, who then, at the moment, they transfer out to another club and that's it. You you don't get a cent and it doesn't provide the, the money to to build the grassroots level. Well, it, look, it's, it's introducing global standards yep. for a global game. Um, now, for too long, <clears throat> we have existed really with a whole set of structures that mirror the other codes of football in Australia. And look, that's great for them. Yeah. You know, if it works for them, brilliant. Um, but for us, we operate in a different environment because we are a global game. So, you know, I think all these things need to be looked at. Salary caps, transfer systems, yeah. second divisions, promotion and relegation. They're all things that football fans understand. And I think if there's the one thing that we've been guilty of the most over the last 10, 15 years is that we've, we've reached out for this mainstream sports fan. And I understand why they did it. But in doing so, we've forgotten our core base. It's got to be about football and football fans and that's the sort of stuff that they want and we've got to give it to them simple as that yeah without a doubt and i think you know there's been some sanitizing of the active support which hasn't helped Correct. um you know that... no go on simon Big problem. yeah oh, look when you look at what's happened with um, the glory um the shed when when it came back in or came in at the nsl days was a was a revelation um, they were fans who were just having a, a big party in, in the, the back there behind the goal. Um, the RBB took it another level uh, and maybe in some cases too far. But to to then um, castigate the, the whole community for the sake of a few bad eggs, yeah, we, we managed it very poorly. I couldn't have put it better myself. Um, you know, that was our point of difference. I maintain that in the first year or two of the Wanderers, I think 2,000 people extra rocked up to be a part of that atmosphere because yep. it was so good. Now, you're right, there were some bad apples and they needed to be rooted out. Um, but unfortunately, we used a sledgehammer to, to crack a nut and basically caved into mainstream media pressure because they don't really understand football culture. Um, we have to stand our ground, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot better than we've done in the past. Now, thankfully, I think we've got 
a man in charge at the FFA, the CEO, James Johnson, who uh, is steeped in football. He understands the sport. He gets it, it. You know, he wears it like a second skin, which is what we all do. And you need that because football is not rugby league. It's not Aussie rules or cricket. It's, we're, we're our own identity and we yes. have to play to our strengths. If we do that, if we get the atmosphere back at stadiums, if we start playing, in some cases, not talking about Perth here because your stadium's fine, but yeah. some of the other stadiums around the league are way too big and they kill atmosphere. Um, and that's one of our big selling points. So th- oh. there's a whole raft of things that need looking at. Yeah. Um, but I'm confident that if James gets the support he, he needs then we can have a much stronger future than uh, than we've had in the recent past. Oh, absolutely. Look, and the atmosphere is all the game. You know, and people say, well, why'd you go to a game instead of watching it on the telly? You've got to be there in the atmosphere. Um, the, the best game for atmosphere was, for me, the Suncorp final between Perth Glory and Brisbane. Uh, and you could actually feel the wave of noise as the, as Brisbane attacked. The the crescendo built up when they got into the penalty box. And, and you could, it was, it went through you. It wasn't something you could just experience on the TV. That's right. And, you know, there are, there are still moments, even in the last two or three years when it's been difficult. Uh, I'll give you one example. The, the first Sydney Derby this season at Bankwest Stadium, yeah. which was sold out and the place literally jumped. Yeah. That's football. That's football. And we've got to not only understand that, but embrace it and encourage it and give it uh, you know, the, the vehicle to, to survive and thrive. Um, <clears throat> for too long, I think we've had you know, some people in charge, and it's it's easy for me to point fingers, but I don't think they really understood the game. I don't think they had it in their DNA. Uh, so as a result, their decisions, you know, were driven by almost like a default mechanism back towards the mainstream and other sports, because that's what they knew. It's perfectly understandable, mm. but it didn't suit our game, and it doesn't suit our game. So, you know, that, that I think those are all things that we have to look at over the next, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 12, 18 months and, and fix them because we got, you know, we, we're still on a short time frame. Um, and if we're, if we're going to have, you know, maybe an increased deal from Fox or, or elsewhere, or, you know, if we're going to go it alone, I know there's been a bit of talk about that as well. Then we've got to get all this in place in the next uh, 12, 18 months. So it's going to be a busy time, mm. but. Hopefully, also a very exciting time, and uh, and we'll finally get to see this this game flourish in the way that we all know it can. Absolutely, and I think you know the the, the personalities are there. Um, we've certainly got the product. We've certainly got the people that can enhance that product, such as yourself. Um, and uh, you know, you're right. It is we're primed now. Coming out of COVID, we need some positives and. You know, sport does provide those positives. Um, it's just about the vibe of being there and, and as you say, the, the atmosphere is um, electric when you're at a game. Absolutely. And we've we got to get that back. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, we have, to, we have to encourage it and, uh, uh, and make these, these grounds not only cauldrons for their own team, but exciting and, and um, enticing for people who, you know, might not necessarily be football fans. And I'm... You know, I'm certainly not against us going after, you know, the peripheral supporter who might go and watch the AFL more or the rugby league or whatever, but they can't be the main focus. The no. main focus has to be the football fan and what they want. And if we give them the competition that's authentic and that feels like they have a stake in it and they can go and 
support their team in the way that they want to without breaking the law, um, then that provides, you know, fertile ground for our game to grow. And uh, unfortunately, we've forgotten that over the last few years, but um, hopefully we're about to remember. Absolutely. Your tip, Simon, for the the World Cup, uh, obviously uh, parochial Aussie, but um, you think we're a chance? Yeah, no, I actually think we're a very good chance. Um, I'm not going to say that we're definitely going to get it, but uh, I, I think, you know, we're only up against two other countries. Um, I tend to feel as though Japan might be our toughest obstacle. Um, they've organized World Cups before. Um, they've just set up a professional women's league for the first time in their history, which has got to be a big tick against their name. Um, uh, Colombia, yeah, I, I think the Women's World Cup has never been to South America, so that's, that's in their favor. Um, but, you know, South America in general as a region has, has struggled with COVID as well, as yeah. has Japan. Yeah. Now, we, you know, we've, we've, we've got several things in our favour. A, we've dealt with COVID very well in this part of the world. People know we're a safe pair of hands. Uh, commercially, as FIFA have already outlined, it's the best bid out of the yeah. three. Yeah, we've heard that um, one before, though, haven't we, honest, Simon? It's time. It's time we had it in this part of the world. Uh, and as I'm I mentioned before, 100-year be... anniversary, first game yeah. of Australia New Zealand this time. I might be a bit biased, but I think, you know, we had the, the first professional women's league as well. So, um, certainly in this country. Um, so, you yeah. know, with a long history of, of supporting women's sport. And I think, you know, whilst what you say about Japan is, is valid, um, you know, the, the way this country in general has managed COVID, um, has got to put us in good stead. And the fact that we've had a professional league and we do have, um, a number of stadiums capable of running that across the country and New Zealand, of course, don't forget that they're, they are also COVID free. Um, yeah. you know, it, it, the signs look good. Mm. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I hope so. And mm. you know what? I also hope that, you know, if we do get to host it, once the tournament is finished, then there's proper legacy for football. Yeah. Now at the Asian cup, we hosted in 2015. We didn't really get too much out of that, even though we put on a damn good tournament. So, you know, I hope there are safeguards in place that if it's a football tournament we're hosting, it's football that gets the benefits of it afterwards. Um, and that's, again, something else that we've got wrong in the past. It so, tends to be that the other codes have profited from it, which shouldn't be the case. Yeah. So, um, can I ask, why do you think there wasn't a, a lasting legacy from the 2015 Asian Cup? I mean, Australia well, put on such a great again, show. Because, again, because those, those safeguards weren't put in place. I mean... You know, really, what should have happened, and this is easy for me to say, but, you know, m- most countries, when they host major tournaments, they build at least one new stadium or renovate one completely. Yeah. Um, now, we didn't need to do that because we had the stadiums in place, but therefore football didn't get any sort of a lasting legacy. I think, I think there were one or two sort of training bases that, that got upgraded or built. So there, there was you know, some sort of knock-on effect. But really, for a, for a tournament of that magnitude, football should have had, you know, much bigger gains. Now, financially, it did okay. It did very well. I'm not I'm not criticising the organising committee led mm, by Michael no, no. Brown because they did a brilliant job. Cool. Yes. Um, and the fans turned up to watch it, but I, I don't think there was, you know, much of a much of a legacy left. I mean, you, you go to Japan and Korea now, and all those stadiums that you go to visit, if you go and watch football, they're all... 2002 World Cup stadiums, or, yeah. or most of them anyway. Um, we got we got very little. I'm I'm hoping that you know maybe we get a bit more if we get the Women's World Cup. But, so, uh, I'll, I'll give you one very quick example. 
Adelaide United, Cooper Stadium, great little boutique venue. Yep. Um, Been there the many South times. The Australian government, I think, has promised only a $3 million upgrade, temporary upgrade, mm. you know, maybe with a couple of extra toilets and <laughs> come on. And still no you roof. Know, that stadium, if you could put a roof over even yep. one of the stands, yep, exactly. preferably all three, yep. make it into a 20,000 compact all-seater stadium, that would be absolutely brilliant. Uh, and particularly if we go to winter... If we go to a winter cycle, then we, you know, covered stadiums is a must. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, because otherwise people are going to get wet through, or they're going to get cold. Yeah, at the moment they get sunburned. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah. there's there's got to be some some thought given to football infrastructure going forward because we really lack it. We, you know, we don't own anything. We don't own any bricks and mortar. No, which is which is pointed out. I was very pleased to see Football West. Get in the go-ahead for the new football centre. That's that's a, a big tick. So congratulations. Yeah, we just we just spoke with Mick Murray about that. It's a, the sixteen million dollar investment by the state government um, yep. is a yep. huge huge investment in our sport. Yeah. Now you got it sorted over there in the west. I mean, you got a good venue at uh, at um, oh goodness me, what's the sponsors name now? NRB Stadium. <laughs> H- HBF well. Park. <laughs> HBF Park. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I knew that slipped my mind. I haven't been there for a while. <laughs> yeah, no, look, we, we, we're doing okay. We've got a, a premier with near dictatorship level approval ratings. Um, you know, uh, with, with the hard border in place, you know, we may not even be part of Australia this time next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll suit you lot over there, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> We've always been isolationists, yeah. Look, Simon, thank you very much for your, your insight on the game. It's, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, look forward to talking to you again in the near future. Pleasure, guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Simon. Bye. Thank you, Simon. Bye. Simon Hill with some very, very valid points. Uh, just great to see that the, the Fox Hill deal yeah. uh, was signed. I mean, during the week when I was t- you know, teeing this up with Simon, he's going, we can't talk about Fox Hill. And I'm going, yeah, fair enough, bud. You, you, know, you know enough about the rest of football to avoid that completely. And then last night that changed. And as I was teeing up the call for him, before he said, no, we can talk about that now, so that's good. Yeah, I think, uh, as you mentioned, James Johnson would have had a great deal to do with that. But that, that deal was in was in a very perilous uh, state because yeah. there's no product the the products on the on the decline but what, but what I like about that is it's a compromise deal for both yeah um it's the best deal that both entities could have in in the time and you know look um in during the covid crisis uh, one of the things I did was cancel my my uh, sports subscription because I just didn't need it. I, well, I thought, than, I thought long and hard about it as well, but yeah. you know, if you have a chat to my wife, uh, she'll, she'll know this. the last thing that'll go will be that sports subscription. Other, yeah, but the thing is, other than the A-League, I didn't have it for anything else but the A-League. Um, and, you know, I was waiting for a decision because that will, that will de- decide what I do in future. But right now, I'm voicing an it. opinion to Foxtel. I wasn't too happy when they got rid of Eurosports. I love my curling. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you hear? That's no surprise to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, and I think some of the points he's made are very good that, you know, that we've got to re- redefine the sport. We've got, to, we've got to embrace our points of difference. Well, exactly right. Um, but, I mean, the, the legacy of the, the, 2023 bid, you know, we still have not seen any news apart from our centre of excellence of any new stadiums being yeah. uh, included in that bid. I mean, would they include the Western United uh, boutique stadium in that bid? I'm not sure. 
mm. because that's already being built anyway. So yeah. you'd like to hope they would, but um, it, it's going to be interesting. But then again, you know, if you look at it from a, a perspective for the women's game, um, look at some of the places that have been great supporters of the women's game since day one, Canberra. Yep. Now, why why not build a boutique stadium in Canberra for the code? Um, And primarily the women's team has been very, very strong out of Canberra. It's a long time since they've, they've... well, they do need a men's side playing out of there in sure. the A League, yep. and you know that remembers the Cosmos and how successful they were. So, so that's one area we could make yeah. an investment. Tasmania is another area where we could invest. Again, yeah, uh, and again, we build the the boutique stadiums. You know, we don't need anything bigger than twenty thousand. Nope. And and if you do have um, the ability to fill a 20,000 uh, 20, seat stadium on a regular basis, you create demand. Exactly right. Yeah, I mean, you look at um, sides such as um, Bournemouth in the Premier yep. League. I mean, for sure they'd, they'd love to move to a to a bigger stadium, it, but if you sell out your stadium, that's that's great. You, you're maximising your, your your income, you're maximising Absolutely. everything. Absolutely. And, and you're maximising the, the fan experience because you're not having, as we see at uh, West Ham, uh, you know, a, a false crowd where, where seats are filled at, at the lowest uh, available dollar, so you can just not have an empty stadium. Mm, yeah, well, I, I would. I mean, you ask a West Ham fan yeah. that, that goes there regularly, the atmosphere there at, at the new London Stadium is appalling. Yeah, but, and, the, and, but they're all. Who's right, to blame for that? Is it the stadium the that, or is it the fan involvement? It's the fan involvement. The, the people who, who say that would love to go back to the Berlin ground oh, that only would. held 32,000. And see Trevor uh, Booking banging goals. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they're, they're all stuck in the 60s. Of course. They, they've got to get over it. The stadium is now demolished. Yep. It's, it's flats. Um, we are never, ever going back there. Move forward, embrace the new stadium. The, the thing about West Ham is it was even when they got relegated, they were able to fill their stadium. Yep. Um, Newcastle the, the same? Seven, Man City were the same? 70,000. Old Newcastle, you know, when they got relegated, Chelsea got the fans. But... Um, <laughs> West Ham fans stayed with their team. They stayed faithful to them. It's got a 70,000-seat stadium now, which they've just got to get people to invest in and love it. And I think once that happens, um, yeah. yeah, it won't be a problem. And, and you, again, mentioning Man City, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the fans would love to go back to Main Road. But, you know, you look at their stadium now, you look at the atmosphere there, the product that's available, the, the facilities yeah. that, that they, they now have. How many of those would but actually go, I'd, I'll go back to Main but Road I think tomorrow? the point that Simon said about um, Cooper's Stadium, about yeah. putting oh. a roof on it and everything else, uh, uh, particularly if we go to winter, I mean, uh, HBF Park sitting in the big stand yep. there without a roof on it would be a nightmare. Well, I mean, I grew up in Adelaide. Uh, I used to watch Adelaide City in those winter nights. Yeah. And even back then we were crying for a roof. And, yeah, yeah we're, we're talking 20, 30 years and, later, there's still no roof on and it. And the I thing mean, is, though, the, the football and any sport, be honest, is entertainment. Now, for for it to be entertaining, you've got to be the the sports fan has got to be comfortable, yeah, and and happy that that what they're paying to go in is worth the entertainment value they're getting back. Exactly. I mean, I don't yeah. want to to, to, to give uh, the glory any negativity, but um, as Simon said, you know, you, you go there, you're getting sunburned. So, are we now thinking when we if we align to the winter season, are we now all getting soaked? You know, um, yeah, but then you, you know, you got your you meat know. pie, your bovril. There's 
<laughs> and and to me, football is a winter sport. And standing yeah, it always here, has been. Yeah, always should be. I mean, that's the whole point of having the bobble hat. Like you're wearing your <laughs> Elizabeth Downs one. Elizabeth uh, Downs, yeah. yeah. Nully Secundus, go you boys. But does, you can't wear a bobble hat in 40 degree heat and you can't wear a scarf <laughs> in 40 degree heat. And this this is all stuff that was designed for to wear during exactly. the winter. Yep. And I think, you know, it is a winter sport. It's, it's emotional home is winter. We've just got to make sure that the stadiums are built to cater for a winter sport. Well, the stadiums are built to cater for for, for the fans, the ones that are paying the yeah. the, the the dollars to go and watch uh, yeah. whatever's on 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 display. So absolutely. Yeah, All right, to... we're going to go to some messages, and we'll be back very shortly with Ken Shorto of Balga. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Rotiron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. I'm Peter Skeeler. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime, and watching classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support, and stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Yeah, that was one of the world football team, uh, Pete Skeeler there, with another message around COVID. Yep. Um, you know, as much as things are going back to normal, it's a very... Cover that cough and cover that sneeze, people. It's a very different normal. Yeah, it's a very different normal, exactly. <laughs> uh, a bit like so, me. And someone who's on the front edge of the, the different normal is Ken Shorto of Balga. Good morning, Ken. How are you? Oh, hang on. Uh, <laughs> morning. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Ken. How are you, mate? That's, that's better. I can hear you now. Yeah, that's yeah, good. good. Thanks, Phil. Um, yeah, no, terrific. Um, 
obviously the the football season for you starts proper tomorrow. I know for the last two weeks you you've been chasing um, everything and everyone. There's a lot of imposts on clubs uh, for the the COVID um, safe approach. Um, so have you you got all those things in place? What what extras do you have to do? Well, that's right. Uh, you know, you've got to keep registers of everybody. You've got to have the hand sanitizers everywhere and disinfect everything and clean it all every every ten minutes. And yeah, it, it, it's uh, an impossible. It's great to be back. At, you know, back in the club. Oh, it, it is again, brilliant you know. to be back. Um, yeah. You know, how has COVID affected you personally? Personally, I went mad for about three months, yeah, but I think I'm gaining my sanity back again. Yeah, I look, I think for, for a lot of club administrators, the, the three months was actually a, a good catch-up time to get some of your house in order and start preparing and making plans for a return to football. Um, a lot of clubs I know have had volunteers and sponsors who've lost jobs, lost businesses, um, their involvement or... Um, their need to be involved in the club has diminished a little bit. Yes, uh, I think we've lost. Uh, yeah, we we have lost um, sponsors. We've lost uh, a couple of coaches, um, but we've also gained people. So you know, yeah. that's uh, always roundabouts and swings. And that uh, in a moment we seem to be moving a thousand miles an hour and using a push bike to get there. But we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I suppose like most clubs will sponsorship is a, is a huge thing for most clubs. Uh, most clubs are funded from from players' fees, and and your model is very very different. You know, the first club in the state to yeah. go to go fee free, and I would think that you know the the hit that sponsors have taken um, would probably affect you more than most. I, I yeah, we we're sort of gearing for that sort of in, inevitability that uh, we, our income is certainly down. I mean, it's not only sponsors, but it's the actual club itself. We yep. We had, that was that was our generating that was generating a lot of money and uh, at the moment it's generating nothing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know it, it's a big hit and it's it's how we build our fee free football. It was on uh, outside income from outside the players. Um, yeah. So we're taking yeah. a hit, but um, everybody's on board to make the best of it. And I suppose that's when people think, oh, you know, things just go back to normal. They're, they're forgetting that from a club perspective, you haven't had a canteen running, you haven't had a bar running, you haven't had the social events running. If you hire your facility out for other events, um, you know, we've done weddings and wakes and other things through my club, um, you know, quiz nights, all those sorts of things. You've not been able to run anything for three months. It's It's a struggle. Yeah, I, I think we, we we've looked at it about it. We're losing almost almost a thousand dollars a week. Yeah, um, yeah, that's conservative, that but yeah, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't like to scare too many people off. No, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's just the that's just the bar bar and the uh, club. Yes, uh, renting out. So you know, it's it's a huge impost on every club, and every club's in the same boat. I uh, I just. A trust that once we get back on the field, everyone has a, a good uh, rapport with each other and understand each other's problems. Mm. Uh, we're going to get people not turning up to games tomorrow and we're going to have uh, forfeits and um, games put off, but we'll we'll get there in the end. How has things gone in the club internally? I think, you know, when you look at it, um, particularly those with state league teams, as, as you do, have been in training in some form or shape since about November of last year. It's the longest <laughs> pre-season ever. And I think Absolutely. 
the the the, the players and and coaches want to be in battle mode, and they're they're almost you know eating each other at the moment, and there's nowhere to let that out, and it's all pent up. It's going to be a a terrific first day. <laughs> Yeah, we're just still two or three weeks away for the, for the state league. Yeah, um, yeah, poor blokes. But yeah, um, everybody's very keen, especially the, uh, the the women and the masters teams are ready to go tomorrow and have a you know really chip jumping at the bit. Yeah, because we want to get out of there. Uh, and and your juniors, and juniors as well. Yeah, uh, the, the juniors has probably been the hardest hit with COVID. I, I believe yeah. um, you know the, the, a lot of parents are still. Um, wary uh, I think we had this this week alone I think we've had 50 people come back mm. just this week and they've got to be registered and playing you know ready for playing tomorrow yeah yeah uh, look I, I know that I just speaking earlier about um, my my son who's just registered a boy in a team that he became the coach of on Thursday and they're playing they're playing on <laughs> Sunday you know um, it's, yeah. it's a bit rushed but you know everyone's just so mad keen to be back into it for sure, and uh, you know that's a, and then going back to the fee free situation, you know we we rely so much on fundraising and uh, as well as the sponsorship and the club running. Uh, so you know we haven't been able to do any of that. No, uh, but uh, uh, we'll get back into it uh, as best we can. We, we, as you said, we spent the three months. We had, we had more meetings in the three months than we did when we were playing. Yeah, uh, because you, yes, when you're organising everything and. Uh, yeah, we're looking good, but uh, it's not going to be easy. And your COVID plan, obviously, you've, you've got um, matches happening at home tomorrow. Um, how are you ensuring social distancing yeah. and all those things that need to be in place are, are happening? Yeah, well, we've got all, you know, all inside the club itself is uh, designated for seating, seating only and uh, crosses on the line field, you know, crossing the line to the bar and all that. Yeah. It's all there ready to go. Um, and, but then it's got to be looked after. You know, everybody has to understand that at this moment it's not normal. Uh, you can't all crowd together and have a chat. You've got to sit down and have a drink, yeah, uh, and, and, and ch- chat about the game over the table, not not standing up, slapping each other on the back. Uh, and particularly in in amateur and definitely within the master sport, the, that seems to be the major focus is the, the social aspect after the game, and that's the area that's been hit the most. You can only have a yeah, hundred uh, people in that in that bar at any one time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, maximum of one hundred, um, and you've got to have, you know people to organise that. Uh, you've got to have extra officials, extra people that are on board. Um, and, and you say master, masters football is 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 about the camaraderie and uh, the experience of still playing and meeting up with those guys you've played against for years. Yeah, it's a celebration uh, of life, so, isn't it? <laughs> it, it? Very much so. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, one of the one of the spin-offs from our football plan, Fifi football plan for the kids, has been the uh, extra. Adults. I mean, we've we've doubled our women's teams this year. We've doubled our masters teams. Yeah, so we've gone one to two um, on both of those because of people that are getting involved with the club. So that's been a real offset offshoot of the the V three football. Absolutely, people coming aboard. Now, um, there's been a lot of talk about packages available through um, 
the lottery commission, etc. I think I've been through most of them. I don't see anything that really helps a grassroots club. What what sort of help? I'm glad I'm glad because I'm I thought I might have missed something. But I couldn't <laughs> see anything either. No, no, there was nothing. And and I think you know, um, whilst we probably don't need an awful lot of money, I think you know some sort of of injection of of help would be much appreciated across the state. Oh, absolutely. And I, I've been listening to your show this morning and, and what Mick, Mick says uh, from, from uh, the government, he, he's right. Now, if, if you look after the base, um, uh, then then your high level will look after itself yeah. because that, that's where they come from. That's where the good players come from, starting to learn to play kick a ball when they're five and six and loving it and becoming superstars. That's right. That's uh, what's called they a don't pyramid, come superstars isn't it? first. No. They don't come superstars first. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I've, I've known plenty of kids that six and seven look like they're going to be superstars by 13 or 14 and not even playing. So, you know, you can – and then you get other kids who look like nothing and then, you know, five years later they're in the state team. So, um, yeah, potential's, potential's one thing, um, realising it's another. What's your thoughts on the home of football? Home of football? Um, we need it. Um I don't know if I can get to the Queen's Park. I don't know where, how away that is, but that's good. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You might need a visa to yeah. get there, but <laughs> <laughs> no. But that's that. There's, there's public transport out that way. I'm sure of it. Yeah. The, um, it it's just something we we go again. What you've been saying this morning, we could do it right. Um, yeah. You, 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 if, if we don't make it benefit the whole game, rather than just uh, make it benefit the elite. Section, then uh, you know we're in trouble. But uh, yeah, let's, let's hope that everyone understands. Well, from, it, from the from FFA, I'm getting I'm getting better vibes. Yeah, uh, since this new CEO, he he certainly seems to be getting a, a better idea. And well, not an idea. He knows. He knows. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just think, you know, when you look at the, the new centre and, and trying to think how it advantages football, I think, you know, you've, you've been around the game a long time, as have I. Um, every time that Football West announce a meeting for coaches or for p- club presidents or for training, it's always been a different venue. At least now yep. it will be one one venue and you know that if they've got a meeting, it's going to be there. If they've got coach training, it's going to be there. If they've got administrator training, it's there. And I think probably that's one of the things that we've missed out on. We've had elite programs for players. We've had elite programs for coaches. We've had elite programs for referees. But we haven't yep. really concentrated enough on developing good administrators of clubs and we've we've relied on on good people like yourself who've got great skills and um, dave kindness and others of, of that ilk to, to just be naturally gifted um but we need to develop those people as well so that you know we we are up to date on all the legislation we are up to date on our responsibilities as club runners and that you know because the better the game is run the better the game will be as well of course yeah, absolutely um and you know that's something i'm Really, we've been blessed with the last five years now. With the, at Balga, is the you know the, the co- committee uh, or the board has been so blessed with good people. And um, uh, again, offshoot of, of why we're going the way we're going, uh, we want to keep the good people in the club and, and keep the game going. Uh, we're in it for the game, not for the, not for any individual person. Yeah, and uh, that that's that's showing through the, the quality of people coming on board. And, and coaches as well, yeah, everything right through. 
So you would have been running uh, friendlies up until now for, for your state league teams and um, amateur teams, and hopefully you've been able to host them at, at your home ground. Um, have, you had any, have you had any pushback from people complying with the COVID, you know, refusing to give you the names and, and numbers of their players, or um, state league are making a protest by not signing your register? No, not at all. Um, nothing we've come across. Uh, everyone's just given in the list as they understand. You know, yeah. we're, we're all in it. We're all in the same boat. Um, you know, and everyone we've met so far has understood that. Um, it, it's been very difficult for their Sunday leagues to get friendlies in because they only started training three weeks ago and they're only just, they're not even fit enough to play friendly. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But I suppose that's that's the <laughs> whole point. We've had a couple of runs. <laughs> yeah, every, everybody's been mad keen to get back into it. And I think, you know, whereas um, MPL and possibly State League could rely on most of their players to keep a, a, a measure of fitness, sure. um, yep. Yep. you know, very difficult with amateurs and almost impossible with veterans who get older every day. So, you know. Um, <laughs> and sitting at home... Uh, Doing nothing doesn't doesn't make you, uh, you know. I think a lot of people went through that uh, mental uh, blackout during that uh, three months. That we, we why why are we here? What are we doing? Uh, why do I why do I get involved with this football? Why do I? And then as soon as it starts up, you realise what it was. Yeah, it's just the, the friendship, the, the camaraderie, the uh, yeah social reaction. Yeah, react together. Yeah. And I think for for a little while, the the first couple of weeks, you went, "Oh, this is great! No football. I can get this done, get that done." And then you realise that uh, yep. this is boring. I need to get back into it. And then, as time's gone by, you 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 know, you're reconnecting with those social networks. I know for myself, um, yep. I've been having a regular Sunday after or Sunday evening quiz round with half a dozen people that we take it in turns just to do a a quiz and football turned into complete general knowledge but um you know it's just that social connection is is huge of course it is of course it is and and the best part of it now is that we have a timetable um for so long we didn't have a timetable so now we you know it, it may be very close and it's rushed and all the rest of it but that's good good ken you best him mate can i take you back to pre-covid days um how how surprised were you to to get the City of Stirling Community Citizen of the Year Award? I mean, that must have been a great honour for you and a, and a great recognition of all the hard work you've done for Balga for, for so long. Uh, it was a yeah, complete surprise. I had no indication of it whatsoever. Um, you know, they just, asked me to go to the, the day. And, uh, yeah, very honoured. Um, and it, and it, but it, it really is a, an admission of what, what we're doing within the community, the whole club. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm at the head of it, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it was more must of really conscience of yep. what everyone's doing together. Uh, very honoured. Very, it, it's nice, very nice to get some sort of recognition for anything. Yeah, we all work hard. Yes. Every every president of every club works. Like, people don't understand. No. <laughs> um, the, the amount of work it puts in, and it doesn't matter whether you're a president or just a committee person or. a a referee or a coach, the amount of volunteer hours that go into this game of ours is immense. And are you still um, going to be coaching the women's side? And how's it uh, going uh, for the state league? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, 
I'm sort of an assistant coach this year. I'm getting, getting down the thing. That's good. Yeah. Uh, we, as I say, we've got two sides. We put a, a state league team in this year in the state, in the women and uh, one in the amateur side. Uh, we've got three new coaches on board looking after those two teams and I'm just overseeing it all. Uh, it's been good. It's been excellent. So overall, how many teams are you, you running this year? Um, on the senior side, Seven, seven sides. Yeah. So we got two, two masters, two women, the Metro Sunday team and the uh, State League. Yeah. yeah. And the, the juniors, um, <clears throat> we've got most age groups. We don't have all. Um, I think we've missed out on the 14s and 12s at the moment. Yeah. But, they're, uh, <clears throat> but having said that, you know, the kids, some of them are registered. We haven't seen them since. Yeah. Uh, they registered pre-COVID and we haven't seen them back. Right. Uh, yeah, and I think in in general, mo- most people struggle around about the fourteen to sixteen year age groups. There's lots going on in those times, and I and I don't know whether um, some of them have unrealistic expectations with NPL and they they get damaged by that experience and then don't return. Um, it, I, I think it's increased since NPL started. I, I think so. Problem. Yeah, yeah, that problem has increased, but I don't think there's any doubt about it. The, the kids at twelve and thirteen get pulled over to NPL side, and at 14, 15, they've had enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, they just don't they don't like that atmosphere. Uh, it's, it's not fun anymore. Uh, you know, and it, 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 the game needs to be fun for everybody. Even the elite player has to have fun. Uh, if they've got that mentality, they want to push themselves to get to a situation where they can go professional, then they'll have that. Yeah, yeah. But if, if they haven't got that mentality, then they shouldn't be playing in Bill. Um, because but, it's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt them because they, they don't absolutely understand that that's how much work is involved to become a professional player. No, no, look, at, and it, it, it is, it's, it's very, very different. Um, one of my boys was in the state league side. He had friends who were becoming professional football players and it was that extra 1%. He just was not prepared to take it to that level. Yeah. And, and you, yeah. you know, the, no one gets to that level without sacrifice. And I think that's, is an important thing. You, you've got to be truly driven to, to go through all those barriers to, to getting there. And, you know, there's, there's a half a percent difference between Messi and your, your, um, basic, um, MPL player, but there's, you know, the, the talent is just part of it. You can have all the talent, but if you're not prepared to do the work or you're not prepared to the struggle, you're not going to make it. No, that's true. And, and, and unfortunately, I, I don't think we let the kids understand that early enough. Yeah. Uh, we, we let them find out themselves and then they, they, they fall out of love with the game. Yeah, but having said that, you know, and, and I've, I've played um, Masters and I also played in the Super Vets there, um, it's uh, it's quite interesting because you get some people who who still don't have the enjoyment in the game they're playing, but they don't enjoy it. And I think, you know, for my thing with the Vets, um, every time you cross the line and you're over 45, you're a winner. Um, yep. You know, yep. it doesn't matter what the result is. You're out there just, just for celebrating the game and playing. And I think... Um, when you watch the under eights playing or the or the under sevens, you, you get some of that back because it's they're purely playing for the love of the game. There's there's no seven year olds out there that think they're going to become a professional footballer. They're just out there playing, and I think that's the honesty of the, of those those two leagues is that you're out there because you're enjoying it and you're having fun. And if you're yeah, not, as yeah. you said, you, you're 
it's it's a lesson for life though really because if, if you don't enjoy what you do for work you're going to make it a struggle uh, and you know you've got to love what you do yeah and that's the whole thing about how all sports all sport uh, is the same as life uh, yeah. it, it, it is a competition it is it is um, uh, you know the, the one team wins each week but uh, it, it is also enjoyable. It's also healthy. It's uh, your mentality. It, it, you know, everything's good for it. Yeah, so absolutely. Push it as many people as possible into it. Yeah, and it, look, and it, again, and talking to Mick Murray earlier on, it's it's not just about yeah. the one sport. It's about any sport. You know, um, I think if you've got children that aren't involved in any sport or any team environment, and and within a team environment. I'll include playing in an orchestra or being part of an actors guild or whatever, but you need to be in a team environment to to develop yourself as a person. Absolutely, it's, it's part of it's part of your education as a, as a young person. Yep. Yep. Uh, it gives you so many extra skills to to benefit you when you're looking for a job. Yes, ab- absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then, and then realizing where you are, you've got to realize there's always pe- people going to be better at it than you are and, and you support them. And then there's people who are not as good as you are who you need to support. So there's all of those things come in and they're, they're things that are transportable through all of your life. And if you do that yeah. and you do it well, as you have, um, you have a lifetime of memories and, and, a you know, some achievements along the way. And if you are fortunate enough, as you have been to be recognized for it and rightfully so, um, you know, you know you've done a good job, but I, you know I, I I like to think that the, the kids are coming through and going to have have that length of involvement in the game if, if you if you do the right thing. But that's just what we're about is just getting everyone out there and so that's... enjoying as much as you can. If if you're a good player, we'll push you and uh, you know yep. whatever you want. And so that's uh, part of the uh, uh, the initiative of the fee-free football is that uh, not only you're getting the, yeah. the, the the players, but the the parents to to volunteer as well. You you hope to well, retain some. Yeah, and that that's that's taken a hit. I must admit that's one of the big hits this this uh, period because you know we, we can't get the all the parents out there working yeah. uh, as we did. You know, or getting you know, having little little social functions, things like that. But uh, that'll be coming back. Yeah, but that's a big part of it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to get everyone involved in the club atmosphere and, and yeah. try and build that again to what, what it used to be like in the old days. Absolutely. I think, look, we the old days are what they were, that we've got the new days we've got to build in, yeah. in a new way. Ken, look, Find thank you. ways of doing it, yes. Yeah. 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 Ken, thank you very much for your time. It sounds like Balga's doing really well, that they're in, they're in good hands and, um, you know, that... Well, sorry, just... just Go on there. You know, next year's our 50th anniversary, so yep. uh, they've, yep. done, they've done something right to keep going this long. I wasn't there all that time. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, no, there's quite a few clubs around that are coming up around those ages now, and it's really good yeah. to see the game yeah. maturing. And I think, you know, there's, there's some things around professionalising in the sport, and hopefully the home of football helps us do that. So thank you very much for your time, Ken. Thanks, Ron. Thank good you. on you, Ken. Thank see you. you out there. See you, mate. All right, Ken Shorto, um, doing good things out there. About oh, yeah. a citizenship award, um, a fantastic achievement. Yeah, way back at uh, Australia Day. So, it, um, yeah, I would like to have seen the look on his face because it's um, a recognition that uh, is well-deserved for Ken, but um, knowing Sonia as I do, she wouldn't have said anything and uh, Ken probably would have been dragged down there going, well, why do I really want to go? Absolutely. <laughs> I've got better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look, and, and I like what they're doing. I think, you know, um, fee-free is a, a brave move. Um, I know there's a, 
sit a team over in Sydney that are doing yeah. it um, and they've done it really well at an MPL level. Um, and I think if, if we go back to the, the chat with Simon Hill and we talk about the transfer market, if a team like Balga develop a young kid who then gets signed by the glory on a small fee, that money goes back to the club, yep. which they can then invest in more junior development. And, you know, by the time you've, you've got a, a stream of kids leaving there to go to, on to play for bigger and better, the the better that club will come, the, the better their development streams come. And it's that money that seeds everything around the world. Well, exactly. Yeah. And not, not just Balgam. I mean, that fee-free football, um, it's huge. Not only are you getting um, the the base level of the pyramid coming in, but you're also getting the base level of the pyramid for volunteers and support staff. Yeah. And, you know, maybe then you – you find a parent who goes, oh, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Maybe I will go to do the FFA well, I suppose the thing courses. that's been missed out, we, we talked very early on, is about the, the money that it takes. This this um, code is driven from grassroots money. Yeah. Um, the fee-free program at Balga is a two-night-a-week program with a game at the end of it. Um, if you're playing in elite football, you need to be doing a five-day-a-week program. You, the more contact hours you have, right. the better a player you'll become. And that those costs have to be met from someone. Exactly. And again, if you're going to go to a five-day-a-week program, you need to have a professional coach who's, you know. Well, it's good to see that the coaches that do have there, I was going to uh, have a chat about uh, yeah. Danny being an appointed first-team uh, coach there, whether he was still going to be uh, playing, you know, whether he's yeah. – because uh, he was an excellent player. He's an excellent player. Yeah. Well, I've got an old adage for that one, and and that's you, you can't manage the fight if you're in the fight, and I don't I don't see too many player managers who are actually a success. Well, again, going back to your to your comment about Bobby Moore at the start yeah. of the show, I mean, he was player manager, he and that that could have been part of the issue that he he wanted to be in the middle of the fight and control the fight, and yeah. oversee the fight, uh, and that's the thing when you're playing, you, you your concentration levels, particularly if you've been a professional player all your life, is on the park and what's going on around yep. you, and you're not watching the tactical aspects of the game. You're, that's right, you're in it. So I think you know, I don't particularly like player coaches. I think you know, depends on what level you're at. But, you know, and I used to do it as a veterans coach. Yep. But as a veterans coach, basically all you did was pick up someone that was, that was tiring a bit, push them off for five minutes. <laughs> and then after a while, they just did their own subs and you just let it happen. You know, and yep. there really wasn't anything. I was just basically the drinks coordinator. But <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. No, no. But uh, I'm just saying at that level, I think it, player coach is entirely appropriate um, if you're playing just purely for the social aspect. Yeah. But when you when you step into a professional environment, you need to have a professional coach and then professional coaches around him and all those support mechanisms for a professional environment. And there seems to be a, a reticence to go to a professional basis in this state. Yeah, and, you know, professional in attitude. You mm. know, it doesn't necessarily have to be professional in remuneration, although that's one of the aspects and one of the benefits of it. But yeah. if you're professional in your attitude, that's going to rub off on the rest of the squad, the rest of the team, the rest of the club. Absolutely. All right, we're just going to go to some messages and we'll be back after this break with Hugh Best. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Triad. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? 
The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We're the first sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame Western Australia, recognising the Western Australia football community. Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Okay, and we're back in the room. So, uh, Hugh, welcome to the, the show. Thank you for fitting in today. It's been much appreciated. Yep, no worries, Sean. Like I said, always always happy to get the the, the call up. You know? Yeah. So, what have you been doing in the, in the during COVID? I mean, what have you been getting up to? Well, again, like uh, like all sports, and uh, we do like to call Sabudio a sport. Um, We've been in lockdown. Uh, we had uh, Subidio Perth had their last meeting uh, in March, which, as we were told, was officially the last uh, organised event in the world. Uh, and then we were in hiatus. Uh, we came up once we got into phase three. Uh, again, thanks to the McGowan government and the good work that they've done there, we were able to resume uh, last month, and we've got a uh, a, a club fixture organised for tomorrow as well. Oh, it's good, so you, you're back into the swing of it. We are, yeah. yeah. Um, being that we're a, 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 using the phase three uh, thought processes, we're a um, a community based sport, we're a non contact mm-hmm. sport. But uh, one of the the main issues that we had was to um, to maintain the 1.5 meter rule, yeah, with a with a pitch that's the size of a kitchen table, you know, <laughs> um, unless you're 
living in the mansion, most kitchen tables are less than 1.5 metres and, um, you know, to, to nudge your, your opponent out of the way to get that uh, quick shot on board, it, it was difficult to do. So yeah. uh, around the world it, it's been shut down to the point where uh, the World Cup, which was to be hosted in September uh, in Rome, uh, that was one of the first events to be uh, suspended and postponed until next year. It's uh, it's a funny thing. I was um, um, planning uh, before the COVID uh, kicked in. Uh, I was planning to be flying out tonight to go to New York yeah. and uh, represent Sabudio Perth at the uh, American National Championships, which were going to be held in Washington, D.C. Uh, next month. It's strange, isn't it, how the world... Sorry, not next month. Next week. Yeah, it's funny how the how people across the state and across the world are, are doing in, in things I had planned and, and would yeah. have done. Um, I was returning from England today um, after six weeks holiday there, and that, obviously that was completely just killed. That's right. Um, you know, you look at it now, and I've got reasons I need to go, but you know, spend two weeks in isolation there, two weeks in isolation on the way home, and it's hardly worth having a holiday. No, that's so, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So w- yeah, we've been doing it uh, yeah. doing it tough for the most, but. That being said, the worldwide community of Subudio have uh, found ways yeah. to uh, to continue our activity, and a lot of those ways well, uh, has been um, what's called solo play, where there are some so uh, right hand versus the left hand, or you can do it left hand, right hand. Um, I tend to to do two different bass sets because uh, yeah, I'm not getting too technical, but uh, different basses play in a different way, and the, yeah. the way you can find your your preferred bass. Uh, most times you just play with your preferred bass. Yeah. Uh, you've noticed when I came down before, I had the West Brom side, yes. the Australian side. So you, those two uh, teams were different basses. One was an extreme bass, uh, um, bass, which was made in, in Italy, and another one was a, a, a char bass, which was made in uh, in Belgium. Yeah. So they played completely different. So how do you find which one you're more comfortable with? Well, if you're only playing with one bass because you're comfortable with that, it's difficult to do that, whereas this solo play, uh, you nominate uh, a team. It can yep. be a fictional side. Um, I tend to play as, um, in one league, I'm playing as, as West Bromwich Alvin, the, the um, Subudio on your own league, which is the Australian uh, version of it, uh, the Soyo League. I'm playing as West Bromwich Albion and FC Groningen. And, again, last time I was here, we were nice enough to talk to Mr. Davidson, which yep. is why that uh, Groningen uh, West Brom <laughs> connection came in. No, that's good. I, I had visions of you choosing the wife and, and the pair of you. I have tried that. And yeah. um, my son, Alexander, there's a second shout-out for you, mate. Um, yeah. He um, He's a reasonable player. Yeah. I, I don't think he's um, keen to to jump into the politics and the and the, the full time playing, but uh, when I've been playing the the, the solo league, uh, you it's not rigidly that you play by yourself. So yeah. you have a mate, or um, as I have been doing, um, you know, if you want to promote the game, you yeah, ask somebody to come along and play. They play as one team, you play as the other, and you can you can practice and 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 show how the game is played while still having some sort of a meaningful result at the end of it. But, yeah, Alex is, is a reasonable player. Uh, my wife, Kerry, probably not. No. no. <laughs> I have um, – And, have and the politics, are they, are they that savage? Um, well, uh, they can be, yeah. yeah. Um, particularly in this COVID situation, as I say, with uh, with WA being so far ahead of the curve, and yeah. there's, there's a pun involved in there, um, we were able to cope back to competitive play – uh, a lot sooner than the eastern states, yeah, and that created 
a little bit of tension because uh, the Australian Table Football Association or Subudio Australia were of the opinion that it, it should be an Australian-wide decision, which yeah. is a, a, a fair decision. Most of these sporting decisions are made from your, your governing body, which the ATFA is for us. Um, but if your health restrictions and your um, governance from from the powers that be are such that you can come back to play, um, you should be able to. Mm. But that that was met with a bit of resistance. Um, but again, that's that's part of the politics. As yeah. politics uh, with uh, Minister for Sport, no, we're not that far into the uh, into the politics that that that, that way. Yeah. So, um, home of football, would you? Oh, I'd love to have a, a permanent table at the home of football and uh, yeah. I might have a, a chat to, to Minister Murray and see if that can be organised because that would be ideal. We um, we have struggled for a permanent home yeah. um, during, and these during are the, our times. The things I see that the home of football can provide is a permanent home and, and a central point. You know, if it's, if it's going on, it's going on there. Yep. And I think, you know, I was looking forward to having Lou on the show with me today because I think that the home of football has long needed a permanent home. And I did read in some document somewhere that the uh, a um, – what am I looking for? Um, <laughs> yeah. No, no, there, there's, there is room, though, for, for somewhere for the history of the game. Yeah. So there, there is – Yeah, and again, Lou being uh, heavily involved in that, uh, that's – Again, yeah, one, one thing, did, it, the word is it they going used to be was, there? We'd like to hope it would The word be. they used was museum, which yeah. is you know, a bit... Uh, well, I mean, there's plenty of uh, of articles and, and, and historical artefacts that, yeah. that that need a home. And, but, and, we, and we do need a, a home for our history. Yep. We were the first, um, first code in this state to have... Uh, a Hall of Fame, and That's I think right. you know we, that needs to be celebrated, and it needs a permanent place. Yep. And I know that they've received some funding to help with it. So, you know, if they get the space, they've got the money to fit it out appropriately and, yep. and to make it something worth yeah, going exactly. to. So, I mean, if we could get uh, Subudio in there, that that'd be ideal. I mean, we we know um, those that play the game that Subudio is used as a as a training tool because it is a three D fully movable. Um, observation of the game so yeah absolutely uh, it is and, and lots of people do use it um on a personal level you you've managed throughout the covid you've personal kept level, working uh, and yeah in my role um i've been considered a uh, an essential services so yeah. luckily for me um in my role i've been business as usual which yeah. which is handy but um yeah, it's been tough for for a, for a lot of people um with subudio subudio perth we we we're, we're now sort of organizing um a second club, for want yep. of a better phrase. Subudio Perth has always been more uh, geared towards the competitive nature of, of the game, um, travelling over to um, to the Eastern States yep. for, for the Australian Grand Prix, for the Asian Cup. Um, again, we were thinking uh, as a club that, again, around about this time, we were going to uh, to Tokyo for the mm. Asian Cup uh, and would have been the first time as a as a club that we would have had the four players yeah. and uh, we would have, in my humble opinion, kicked some butt. But, um, <laughs> again, that's been postponed to maybe next year. But we, we are thinking of organising a, a second club, yeah. which is going to be more based upon the social aspects, the yeah. new players, the training. Um, how so to, more of a grassroots than the elite more, end. Ex- exactly, more, yeah. more of a grassroots. So Subudio yeah. Perth yeah. would be more the elite level where 
you know, we've we've been lucky enough to uh, to nurture some Australian internationals. Yours yeah. truly being one of them. Um, whereas the, the the newer club yet to be named, will uh, we're thinking something along the lines of um, you know the the Table Football Club of Western yeah. Australia, just so that we can encompass everybody and every everyone. Yeah. Uh, and again, just as a as an entry level grassroots. Now, as another great love of yours, you you're a referee of, of great note in this yes. state. Well, um, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. no phone in for that one. Thank you. <laughs> oh well, you know you're on YouTube and everything. Um, <laughs> now, um, your thoughts over the um, the decision that the referees are going to get a twenty five percent pay cut. Yeah. Uh, I know in South Australia they've negotiated that there is a bit of a haircut, and we've, we've said this before that everyone has to take a haircut. I think um, state league. One and two yep. um, players have been asked to, and even the NPL, there have been clubs that are not going to pay players. Um, and I think, you know, in this time we're all going to give a bit, but um, your thoughts, because you're not constrained anymore. Well, I'm not constrained anymore. Um, I, I, I found the decision to be uh, within reason, yeah, but confusing. I, I don't understand the, 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 the logic or the, the thought oh, process I believe the referees were, were quite willing to, to take 10% cut, which yes. I think was reasonable. Yeah, man, that, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's not that referees have um, have not come forward with suggestions on, yeah. on how we can all, as the, the ad says, all be in this together. But yeah. um, to just have an arbitrary decision that that's the figure, like it or lump it, um, I thought was a, a, a bit arrogant. Yeah. And um, I know... Personally, there's a few referees that um, have taken the second option. They will go, well, you know, until you come back with with a, a more balanced decision, yeah. we'll sit out. And to have a game without the referee, you, you can't have that to be a, no. a, a sanctioned game, I wouldn't no. have thought. Uh, I've been in those situations before where we um, have had um, strikes, for want of a better phrase. Yeah. Uh, the game, and again, I won't mention the region. The game in that region continued, yeah, uh, to the detriment of that game for for a long, long time. Oh, look, afterwards. and the thing is that people complain about the the quality of refereeing as it is. Yep, um, you know, and the, if you top end referee, top end referees yeah. uh, are the ones that are, are more aggrieved or or, yeah. or more disappointed by this decision. They're the ones more likely to go. Well, maybe not. Hmm. Um, and as you say, then not um, not having a a qualified in some cases or and an experienced referee. Yeah. Uh, but I suppose the thing is, if if and I don't know what funding was available, but if the, the governing body was able to secure funding um, to, to offset yeah. the the yeah. other fifteen percent, yeah, exactly. You know whether. It, and, and say to the clubs, well, look, it is 75% yep. for you. Referees are given 10, we've given 15, and that's where we're at. And, and you know, the, the costs on referees for State League are quite considerable. They are considerable, and, and NPL, there was a 25% reduction it's, it's on those a, costs. It's a little different when you, you look at um, the the Sunday amateurs, what have you, because generally speaking, most players in, in amateurs and, rev, and veterans, they all chuck in, you know. Of course they do. Four yep. bucks, five bucks, whatever it is, and then uh, I think generally it's about five bucks for a game for the referee, and then whatever's left over gets invested in amber liquid, and you know that's how it works. <laughs> no, no, but it's a good no, system, right. you know, and we and the referee gets paid, and which is the important part. And sometimes if it's a club referee, there's more amber involved, but you know, yep. 
Um, well, I mean, you know, you, you say it's an important part. The, the, the referee is, is more encouraged to, to turn up, yeah. which, which is exactly as it should be. Everyone yeah. should be encouraged to participate in the game. Everybody needs to take the haircut. Yeah. But um, again, but the decision is, by, by Football West to um, – well, I've got to think of the phrase. Well, well to let Eddie Lenny go. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was going to come I, to that, yeah. I, well, all right. Well, I mean, what, what's the basis of that decision? I think it's purely economic. Purely economic, but yeah. to the detriment of the game long term. I mean, yeah. that that's just a, a, a so, narrow-sided, short-term so, so again, fix that's going to have long-term pain. Yeah, come come to that, though, and I suppose we, we talk about a reset and, and a, a look at how we do things. The referee's body um, hasn't always fallen under Football West control. No, no. And, no, no. and maybe it's a time where the referees strike out and go, you know what? Well, that used to be the case. But, yeah. again, when if we think way back when, when uh, the Football Federation of Australia um, came into being, that was one of the, the non-negotiables of all state federations mm. that, that – the state federation would be in control of all aspects of the game, including the officiating side of things. Yeah. So um, I was involved in that uh, in those discussions, and again, West Australia were one of the last to to hold out for that one because we knew, well, felt. Yeah. News, you know, we felt that to hand over autonomy to a governing body is yeah, you you don't get it back. No, and and then you are then uh, at the behest of these decisions that you have no control in. No, no, it becomes um, a conflict of interest, doesn't well, it? As well, again, you know, the whole point of the referees is yeah. the independent arbiter, yeah, and he should be independent. It should be, yeah, yeah. But again, we, it, it, it's not a model that's not used around the world. No, uh, and and that's one as to why we we agreed to that um, mm. to that amalgamation for one of a phrase. But um, yeah. But going then, back to what Simon Hill said, yeah. you know, just because it's done in other countries, other codes, doesn't matter. We've got to come up with a uniquely exactly. Australian yeah. uh, uh, solution to a uniquely Australian problem. Of course. And, yeah, that, and that's where better minds than mine uh, are employed. Yeah. Uh, but, again, to the comment you made earlier, you, you, can, you can invest X amount of dollars, yeah. but will you reap the benefits of those dollars or are they just – yeah, you know, leaving oh, the top end and, and I look well, at, well, uh, well attended, and the and the grassroots such as such as us um, to to fend to their own devices. Uh, yeah, look at where Football West are now, and I think you know, for through necessity, there had to be a cull. Yes, uh, and in that, unfortunately, we, we've we've cut a lot of good people. Oh, there was some yeah. excellent people that they've had to part ways with. Um, I would like to see them be able to bring some of those people back. Yeah. Um, and maybe, as we've said before, with the, the wages and what have you, if things are blown out, maybe people are coming back at a different level. But, you know, the important is, thing is that we've got, I think, the rumours is four people running the show. Yeah. It's not enough bodies. No, um, no, and, and yeah. That, I mean, and the thing is that the people, those four people are also good people yeah. who work damned hard as yep. it is and you know and now you're putting more work on them yeah you're putting more work stresses on, on those four people yeah. and if one of those says well, and, and i suppose the theme of this is that everything we do whether it's playing or working needs to be enjoyable yes. and when it becomes a chore and i'm sure it is now 
Um, yep. We need to, to reassess. That's why it's called work people and not fun. If it was fun, they wouldn't pay you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on. I'm, I enjoy my job. I love my work. Um, so, again, if, um, if anyone's uh, keen for uh, Subudio, yep. please, please get in uh, in touch with us. So uh, you can find us on Facebook at Subudio Perth or you can find uh, the website link at uh, Subudio Australia or the Australian Table Football Association. There's a link there to find us. Yep. Um, we're happy to see anybody to rock on board. We've got all the equipment available all the training available. And, and, if, and if someone is at home thinking, you know what, well, I'd like to get hold of some of the equipment, they actually need to join the club, but you know where they can get the stuff oh, from. Sure. Yeah, again, yeah. the uh, the Subudio Australia website has those links there. Um, yeah. uh, the Because the, uh, I think po- yeah, pre-COVID, this would have been a great thing to be advertising because oh, yeah. it's very COVID safe for a family of you know four boys, maybe. Oh, exactly right. <laughs> and, and there has been uh, around the world uh, an increase of participation at yeah. – well, as you say, at, at an isolation a level. A sibling level, yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, even mums and dads. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. As it was first designed for, you can play it around the kitchen table. You, you and the family have hours of fun. Just watch out for the politics. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, like I said, there's politics and everything. There's, you know, politics of getting a nice coffee down the shop. But uh, no, no, we, we tend to avoid most of those things and just get on with playing the game and enjoying it as as everyone should. And, and the COVID restrictions, you have to wipe down the players after a yeah, game. Yeah, and- yeah, no, exactly. So the um, – the, the referee is the only one allowed at the moment with the restrictions yeah. we have on is the only one allowed to touch the ball. So you as a player can only pick up your player. You can't pick up anything else. Um, uh, the ball is sanitised yeah. every time it, 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 it is in the referee's hands. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, with hand sanitizer, covering <laughs> the mask, all these things are in, in place to make so sure the, that the whole world has changed. The, whole world the, the has future changed. has changed and we need to build a new future. Um, our future is, is very short. We've got Lenny uh, <laughs> and the Jazz pro- Program coming up shortly. Penny will be back next week with her show yep. and I'll be back in a fortnight. Hugh, thank you very much My for pleasure. joining me today. Anytime. Um, thank you, listeners, for listening. And uh, this has been the World Football Show. I'm Sean Kelly and I'll see you in a fortnight. Bye, all. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.